Hello, this is Milburn Minutes. We're here with Dark Sun. And I'm Zero Wang. All right, yeah, and they're both uh, officers in the physics club, so they obviously know a lot about energy and stuff. So, yeah, I think we can just dive into the question. So my first question is, like, what exactly is energy? Because, like, me running, that's, like, energy in a way. But, like, you know, like, the energy stored in a battery is also energy. So our, what is energy? All right. So formally defined energy is the capacity of a system to do work, and work is the result of a persistent force over a distance. Which means if an object has some form of energy in it, then it should be able to move another object. So like when, you, when you're running, for example, that's basically you using the energy stored in your muscles to push on the ground and therefore propel you forward and move you forward. And then for like a phone battery, then that's basically the energy stored in your battery being used to do things like power the screen on your phone and emit sound through the battery, for example. All right, yeah. And then what's the difference between like potential and kinetic energy? Right, so uh, to say an object has kinetic energy simply means that it is moving. By the virtue of it having mass and speed, it has kinetic energy. Well, on the other hand, potential energy means that an object has some sort of latent energy somewhere that can potentially be converted into motion. Potential energy can take the form of, say, compressed or stretched springs, chemicals that can combust or create electric current, or simply objects that are raised and about to fall to the ground. Right. So, like, and then well, kinetic energy would be like anything that's moving. So, like, a car like moving down a highway would, would have kinetic energy in terms of its movement. For kinetic energy, it's the energy that isn't moving, but like it can be used to make something move. For example, like if you throw a ball off a cliff, before you throw it, it doesn't have any kinetic energy because it's not moving. But after it falls off the cliff, like it will begin to move faster because because like gravity makes it move faster, and therefore, and therefore the force of gravity causes the ball to gain kinetic energy. Alright, and I think we already talked about this like a little bit, but like, how can like the energy, potential energy in like holding an apple, and the potential energy stored in a battery both be like reduced to like the same physical idea of energy? That is a very good question. So we just mentioned that energy is related to work, which is a persistent force over a distance. So in the example of an apple, well, to raise the apple to the height that it falls from, you have to overcome the force of gravity, which means whoever is putting the apple up there has to exert a force over a distance, which grants the apple the energy. Now, in the case of the battery, it's less obvious, but basically the energy released from the battery comes from redox reactions, where electrons move within electric fields created by protons and other electrons, like of the molecules that are participating in the reaction. And this is basically the force over a distance, which means the apple falling through the gravitational field created by the Earth is, in essence, the, a similar phenomenon as electrons going through the electric field created by the protons and the electrons in the molecules, which means the two physical quantities are the same, which we call energy. In simpler terms, like, a, a foam battery would store electrons with potential energy. So, like, some force would cause the electrons, would, would make the electrons want to basically move to a location with lower potential energy, which in this case would be, like, moving around, like, a simple circuit. So, and, and when the electrons move, move around the circuit, you can also use them and use energy that, that they have to, like, power other stuff, such as, like, your phone screen, for example. So it's almost like it's the same idea of, like, movement. It's just on, like, a really small scale. I would say that, yes. 
All right. Yeah. And so I want to ask about like, so we all, a lot of people know from like basic science lessons, like energy is always conserved. What, do, and, but like, how is that always true? I mean, like when I like run, I use energy. We would say that. So how is it always conserved? Okay. So, um, this actually goes like to know why exactly energy is conserved, it, uh, is like a question of like, say university physics for us. We only need to know that it is empirically proven, observed to be conserved. However, energy conservation can be proven mathematically under the assumption that the laws of physics are invariant under translations in time, which means that if the laws of physics hold true one day, it must hold true tomorrow and the day after and so on. This is in fact called Noether's theorem and I encourage you guys to look, look this up online. So basically, like, in terms of our, our, our world, it means that the universe was created with a certain amount of energy inside it. And that energy will, has, has basically stayed constant for the entirety of the universe's duration and will continue to do so for as long as the universe exists. All right, yeah. And then I want to ask about, like, uh, nuclear energy now because I know, like, going off of energy conversation, con conservation, in some ways, nuclear energy, nuclear energy does kind of break that because it's, like, introducing new energy for mass. So could you like maybe talk about like how we're generating energy from nuclear fission and stuff in power plants and whatnot? Ah, okay. So we usually say conservation of energy only, but we also know there's the law of conservation of mass. And with the development of the theory of relativity, these two theories actually combine to one and which is called the conservation of mass energy. And we know that mass and energy are fundamentally related by the famous theorem of like E equals MC squared, which means mass is in essence a kind of energy, which means if we can somehow destroy mass, we can create energy and we can create huge amounts of energy because like by, by the equation, energy is mass times the speed of light squared. The speed of light is already a very large number. So how nuclear energy works is that um, atoms undergo nuclear reactions, which basically in which mass is destroyed and energy is created. Um, like if all the energy is released violently, this of course results in the atomic bomb. But for like civilian use, uh, we control nuclear fission in the reactor and we use the heat it generates to heat up water and it flows through a turbine to create electricity. All right. Yeah. So going to like uh, going off like the idea of like how we're using energy. So how do we convert and store like energy from sources just like running water or like the energy stored in fossil fuels into like these batteries and whatnot to like store it in electrical potential? Okay. So... Um, for fossil fuels and wind or running water, these sources of energy, we are basically converting the motion of, say, wind or, say, water into electricity, which basically means we only need to use them to power a turbine, and the turbine powers a generator, which creates alternate current. Uh, fossil fuels works in, like, essentially a similar fashion as nuclear energy, which basically heats up water. You know, it's like the steam engine, but at a larger scale and higher efficiency. Um, sunlight, on the other hand, solar panels do not have moving parts in them, but rather they utilize the 
photovoltaic effect, which is basically light striking certain materials, will create current. And current is electricity, which means all of these powers, source of powers basically can be converted into electricity and be put into the national grid for our use. So I, I want to emphasize how all of this also supports how that all the energy in the universe is conserved. So for all these ways we generate energy, we don't really make energy. We just convert energy from one form to another. For example, for like a, a turbine in a, in a, for, for running water, the energy of the running water spins the turbine, which then causes electricity to be generated from that energy is the running water. For anything involving making heat, such as the fossil fuels and nuclear fission, that, that's the same thing. Heat energy is transformed from the energy stored in the atoms for nuclear fission or from the energy stored in fossil fuels, which is then used to obviously heat up water and spin that as well. For the sunlight, obviously, that, that's just the energy of the sun's photons being converted into electricity. So all of this, once again, shows that energy is conserved. We just convert it to use it for ourselves. All right, and then one last question I'd like to ask is on like the efficiency of all this. So obviously we're doing like a bunch of conversions from like our day-to-day -day life and stuff, right? Like we're going from the water energy to like the battery that goes to the phone, et cetera, et cetera, right? And obviously, even if the energy is ever truly lost, it could still be like going to like somewhere random, like temperature or like sound or some unwanted like place. So how efficient do you guys think that like, how efficient do you think is like the translation from like the energy sources we have to like right now? Okay, well, I didn't actually look this up, but I believe that internal combustion engines nowadays can reach efficiencies of up to 30 to 40%. Um, like anything that involves turbines is slightly lower than that. And and solar panels are, I think, the least efficient. They are like at like 10, 20%-ish. Um, the loss of energy, as you said, goes into heat and sound. For example, like we know when you drive a car, the engine heats up and the engine makes a noise. That's where all of the energy goes to waste. So if we can somehow make, make use of all these energy, it could we could like extract more useful energy out of the fossil fuels we're burning and thus be you know more efficient and less costly however there is a theoretical upper limit to the efficiency of heat machines um and like we can never truly achieve 100% efficiency yeah a physicist did find out a way to make a like a perfect engine that would never lose any energy well the problem with that there's like a bunch of like complicated physics behind it, but essentially what, what what he found out was that energies like like engines like that would operate so slowly to be unusable. So for our purposes, there's no way we, we can ever have a 100% efficient en engine. All right. Uh, thanks for your time, guys. Thanks for Thank having you. us.